This content is for institutional investors and information purposes only. It does not contain investment, financial, legal tax or any other advice and should not be relied upon for this purpose. The materials are not tailored to your particular, personal and or financial position. If you require advice based on your specific circumstances, you should contact a professional advisor. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers as of the date of publication, are subject to change without notice and do not necessarily reflect Mercer's opinions. Hello and welcome to this episode of Critical Thinking, Critical Issues. My name is Emer Walsh. I am the investment leader for Mercer Europe and I am joined today by Rupert Watson, our chief economist who many, many of you will know. Welcome today, Rupert. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. As one of our colleagues joked last week when I told him we were doing this, he said, back by popular demand. So <laughs> you, you have some fans. Um, so we're in a very complex market environment at the moment. Inflation seems to be the only game in town. Central banks are armed and ready to take action. But there's the fears of a recession looming, which is dominating everyone's mindset at the moment. Now, regionally, there's also significant differences. So I think today, Rupert, we're going to touch on market outlook, spend quite a bit of time on central bank policy. I think that's going to dominate our conversation and then touch on asset class performance. So that all sounds good to you? Perfect. Yes. Okay, great. So do you want to just kick off with a brief summary of market outlook before we kind of get into the detail on the central bank side? Okay, so the global economy has been slowing and is likely to continue to be slow for the next little while on the back of, firstly, uh, high commodity prices, and secondly, rising interest rates and tightening financial conditions more or less everywhere, with China being the notable exception to, to both of those. In the US, economic growth in the first half of the year uh, was reported to be negative. I think that will be revised higher, but but let's not talk about that. Um, But economic growth was reported to be negative. And while we'll have positive growth uh, in the second half of this year in the US, uh, with the US supported by falling commodity prices, as we look to next year, there is the possibility of recession, which is largely going to be a function of what the central bank does. uh, And we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. Uh, In Europe, it's all an energy story, while, of course, uh, commodity prices, more or less all commodity prices have fallen over the last few months. That's with the very notable exception of European gas and electricity prices, which have absolutely surged. Now, it's really impossible, very difficult to understate how remarkable uh, these increases have been. We've seen prices go up 10 times, 10 times from normal levels. And now we're at by far the highest levels uh, we've ever seen, even though, again, we've actually seen a bit of a fall in the last little while. Now, that's likely to push the Eurozone and the UK into recession uh, over the next several quarters, with the degree of recession being a function, firstly, of course, of what happens to energy prices going forward, but also whether governments step in uh, to provide big fiscal support uh, to households and business. But as in the UK, uh, where we've seen a big intervention, I think we're still pretty likely to see recession Mm. of that growth. Yeah, we, we can we can touch on Liz Truss maybe maybe later. I, I'm keen to get your view on on that policy. Um, but maybe do you want to start with the Fed? Yes. So yes. central banks have been known to get things wrong. Um, you know, they've even admitted maybe they kind of underplayed inflation expectations. So they're they're 
increasing rates quite aggressively. So what do you think they're going to do from here? Well, as a former central banker, I was at the Bank of England a long time ago. So I'm quite quite protective of central bankers. Um, but I do think that uh, I think the Fed was too slow to raise interest rates. Mm. Uh, and it's only now just getting things back in order. Yeah. Now, and and so- even just to, to, I guess, to remind any listeners of that, in March, inflation was at 6%, right? And rates were still zero. So yeah, and, they, they and- were really slow to act. Well, it was that, but also in, at the February meeting, when they announced they were going to continue with QE, they said that they thought the labour market was the tightest in decades, mm. and the growth was strong, labour market strong, and inflation a long way ahead of target. So it was very odd that they continued yeah. with more QE. Yeah. But going forward, of course, they played catch up. We've had some 75s, um, absent a big uh, surprise on the downside in terms of inflation uh, in the near term. Um, uh, I think we're going to see the Fed do another 75 at the next meeting and take rates well above 3% in the direction um, of 4%. And really, as Powell set out in Jackson Hole, we'll do whatever it takes. If it causes a recession, then so be it. Mm. Now, will it cause a recession? Now, there are many economists and, you know, about three decades ago it was, I was an economist, but um, uh, uh, many economists say that a recession next year is inevitable because an aggressive Fed hiking cycle always leads to recession. Mm -hmm. And I do have some sympathy with that. But there is one thing that tempers that risk, and that is that this uh, 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 economic cycle is very different to past economic cycles in one one crucial way, in that it is prices have gone up this year, in the year of the overheating, rather than next year, as it were. Uh, and I think there's a reasonable chance we will start to see uh, decent falls in some of the things where, where prices are currently elevated. So I think we have a good chance of seeing, we've obviously already seen falling gasoline prices, we might see falling used car prices, anything impacted by supply chain challenges. And while the labour market is set to remain pretty tight, I think whatever happens well into next year, I think our best guess is that we'll see, we'll definitely see a prolonged period of soft growth in the US, but we're not going to see the hardest of hard landings. And that will enable the Fed to stop probably before 4% rather than above 4%. And I think that's important. Yeah, it almost seems like a shallow recession is what's needed to get inflation under control. Well, and that's some what central, sec- central, central banks might actually welcome that. Oh, no, absolutely. There has to be a period of soft growth to loosen, loosen mm. labour markets. Yeah. But I think there's um, a very fine line between a shallow recession and a prolonged contracted recession that can go quite deep, particularly... I personally, I think central banks might be underestimating the impact that these rate hikes will have on small businesses, on the consumers. You know, everyone is talking about inflation. Everyone is talking about recession. And sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So that would that would be my main concern, that they're kind of underestimating the impact that this rate hike will have. And we'll only see that into next year. Yes, you're right. There is quite a lag between when interest rates and monetary policy tightens and when it actually impacts the economy. Um, uh, and so I'm lucky I refinanced my mortgage earlier this year. Um, but for anyone who is thinking of taking out a new mortgage or refinancing, it suddenly got a lot ex- lot more expensive um, mm. and that will, will, will slow things down, particularly in housing, but other things going forward. 
I also wanted to pick up on one thing you said there, which is that there's a big difference between a sort of a, a modest slowdown, sort of zero growth, shall we say, over a few quarters, the difference between that and a deep recession, in that if you have a sort of a modest slowdown, businesses slow things down a bit. They stop expanding, um, but they don't go bust because they don't ha- they don't have to go bust they they see a, a moderate fall in their revenue but they don't see a collapse uh, so they don't go bust which means that's better for credit uh, they also don't undergo massive restructurings with shutting departments uh, good news for us Ema. Um, they don't go through massive restructurings uh, lead to to sort of big jumps in, in 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 unemployment and i think that will matter as i said particularly for credit um, but for the overall mood, uh, and that ultimately, if we're right, and I say I stress if because there are some things, you know, like Ukraine that are you know beyond forecast. Uh, if we're right, um, then that pre- will ultimately present a, a decent backdrop for markets. Mm. And and you don't think that would leave economies in a bad place below full unemployment? Well, no, I think no, I, I mean. It's a long way off, and who cares Mm. what happens in 2024? Um, (laughs) Except again, perhaps our friend Liz Truss, because there'll be a UK general election. But 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 I think it improves the outlook for for 24 and beyond. Mm. And of course, if you're if you're an investor in sort of longer dated bonds or or equities or credit, and particularly emerging markets, it's sort of what happens, you know, after the next little while that that, that will ultimately matter. And maybe, 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 maybe things are beginning to look a bit better um, for for sort of 24 and beyond, with I think central bankers at last recognising the challenges they're facing and at last taking, you know, the necessary medicine. So we've touched on the Fed, ECB. We're obviously in Europe in a very different place with energy, energy dominating the, the conversation. But what is your thought on the ECB policy? Yes, as you're right, energy, energy dominates it. Energy is pushing inflation uh, very high and at the same time uh, smashing the growth while it's while it's doing it. Um, now, central governments will be able to offset some of that, uh, but not but not all of it. Um, I think also worth noting that in terms of what happens to energy prices in the second half of next year, is anyone's guess. Um, most yeah. people assume that Nord Stream 1 and obviously 2 remain fully closed pretty much forever. Um, uh, and it remains an open question as to whether storage tanks will fill up in time for next winter. And then this winter will be a function of whether it's a, a warm winter or a, or a cold one. Mm, uh, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, but it's think, amazing something really practical like that, whether you know the weather is a bit warmer or actually indeed a really cold winter, that will have a big impact on central bank policy, market outlook, how equities perform. Um, but the ECB doesn't foresee a recession in their base case scenario. Yeah, that's right. Which so I think is just bizarre because as I said, everyone is talking about it. I was I was in the local public swimming pool on Saturday morning and everyone around me was talking about inflation and a recession. And when when it gets to that level, you feel like it is almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. People stop spending, you know, growth contracts. So yeah, what what is what is going through um, the ECB? What is going through their minds? Yes, I agree with you. I think most other people expect there to be a recession uh, of sorts in in the eurozone. Again, rel- you know, not not a deep one necessarily, but mm. only because governments are stepping in to support. 
um, and provide economies where they can with big amounts of cash. There's still a bit of a COVID headwind, sorry, tailwind. Um, so Spain and other places are stronger than elsewhere uh, in, in Europe uh, because still lots of tourists returning for their first holiday uh, mm. in, in a while. I think for the ECB, the goal is to get to neutral, to get to about, shall we say, 2% quickish, um, and then work out what's happening thereafter. But yeah. one thing that's different in the Eurozone from, say, the UK or indeed the US is that while labour markets are tight, we haven't seen big increase in wage growth. Wage growth has largely remained under control. And that gives the ECB some hope that when uh, the inflation from, from energy prices starts to abate uh, next year, fingers crossed, uh, then, then inflation will fall back to target. So whereas I think the US is pretty clearly going to go above neutral, um, you know, well above three, maybe even four, uh, I think that the jury's still out on the eurozone. And best best guess is that the ECB uh, gets to 2% pretty quickly. I think they'll go pretty quickly um, mm. uh, and then stays there and waits, waits and watch. Yeah, yeah. It, it, just it's a quick in- thing. Just a quick thing. You mentioned being in the public swimming pools. One of the things <laughs> that is also going to be happening uh, across Europe is that uh, uh, consumers, businesses are going to be asked, um, and in some cases told, uh, to preserve energy. So I've seen in um, some places that public swimming pools. Um, they're being asked to turn the temperature down, you know, longer get a hot shower afterwards. But, mm. you know, there was nothing going on at your at your place. Well, we, given the UK's new policy, <laughs> there isn't really the um, incentive to do that because we're, it's all going to be capped, um, which is we, we can chat about that in a, in a minute. Yeah. Um, just the last point on Europe. So the ECB doesn't seem to think the risk of Russia turning off the gas is high. They seem to that have, have a quite a small probability associated to that, which I think that's probably why they're not pricing in a recession. No, I wouldn't. No, I, wouldn't I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. I think they're very aware of the very aware of the those sort of you know that what what's going on with energy. They're obviously conscious that you know forecasting ability around energy prices is 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 very very suspect. Um, and they'll have to wait and see what happens. Of course, the growth impulse would normally be telling a central banker um, to be cutting rates, um, whereas the inflation one tells them to raise rates, mm. um, and which is the predominant is, is, is unclear, which is, I think, why they get to sort of neutralish, so 2%, yeah. um, which will allow them to springboard higher if they need to uh, or lower if they need to as well. But it's the level of rates that's wrong in, 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 in the Eurozone at the moment, yeah. I think. So you think both the Fed and the ECB will continue to hike until they feel inflation is getting under control um, and the only signs that would stop them is of a kind of deep recession, like a significant impact. Is that fair? Yes, although although the US will be taking rates tight, clearly mm. into tight territory with the clear goal of slowing economic activity. Yeah. Um, whereas in the in the eurozone, they're not aiming to slow economic activity because mm. the economy hasn't overheated to the same degree. Yeah. So and they're, they're much just... much more vulnerable on on account of gas prices. I think. Yes, and and importantly, labour markets aren't so tight in in, in the eurozone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There isn't a shortage of labour as there is in the UK as there is in the US. And then on to the UK. So. Double digit inflation as at August, so ten percent plus, and and keeps keeps going up. So, 
How is the Bank of England going to continue to intervene here? Um, well, I think, again, they are in rate hiking mode and more uh, sort of quite aggressive rate hiking mode and more akin to the Fed than they are the, the ECB. Um, and so they clearly uh, want to take interest rates into tight territory. Um, and in the UK, that's well above 3%. We've even got a bit above 4% um, priced into markets as well. Uh, and that seems reasonable. Uh, now, I think I'm a bit older than you, Ema, but but I don't ask, of course. Um, Ema and I know each other very well, by the way. We used to sit next to each other uh, pre-working pre, pre from home. Yeah, I'm going um, to be 40 next year, Rupert. Have I told okay. you that? <laughs> Well, we're, we're over a decade apart because I'm in yeah. my fifties. But anyway, um, but but you know, when I started uh, investing, normal in the UK, in the US, was about five percent. Mm. Uh, normal in the eurozone was about four. Um, and Julius, who you know, who I work very closely with, all of his investment career rates have been somewhere near zero. Yeah. So when he thinks about the possibility of the Bank of England going to four percent, he thinks that's ridiculous. Mm. Um, whereas for me, it's a sort it's of normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to, to me, four percent is is normal, and it feels like it's been inevitable over the last couple of years. But it's just. <laughs> It's been amazing how long it has gone on. Um, yeah, so I, I think the Bank of England could easily take rates to to four percent again. Uh, particularly now we've got this big fiscal boost from from Liz Truss, and certainly the way she's talking is that she'll do more fiscal boost over the next little while with tax cuts and so mm. on. Uh, who knows what that will do to public yeah. finances? But <laughs> um, but there we go. But let's say if you have inflation at 10 twelve percent, and it we aren't able to get it under control with a 4% rate, you know, could you see it going up to 8%, like that kind of extreme situation? I don't think so. I think the things that have pushed inflation to 10% in the UK um, and, you know, very high in other places is a large series of one-offs all happening at the same time. So whether it's the, uh, the energy price thing, um, whether it is uh, used car prices, as mm. you know, I've been in the market for one, uh, where used cars have gone up 50% in price, and a whole load of stuff uh, related to post-COVID, kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah, has pushed inflation a lot higher. When you strip all that out, uh, inflation is still elevated, um, but is not as elevated. Uh, and I think, um, I think on an underlying basis, as we move into next year, we'll start to fall back. So I think, you know, eight percent, I think, would would crush things. But but four is certainly possible, and five mm. is possible. Mm. But if you if you talk to, let's say, my parents' generation, you know, when they were had their first mortgage, I think rates were it was like sixteen percent or something like that. So I guess it's not out of the question. But hopefully, we don't have to go back there. Um, Japan in one minute because. Obviously, maybe not a lot going on. I mean, I would say growth, growth, growth is looking relatively better than everywhere else because uh, they don't have to um, uh, hike rates um, Mm. as and they haven't got high inflation like elsewhere. So I think Japan is in better place at some point post COVID when they open their economy up fully and there'll be a bit of a tourism headwind, sorry, tailwind. I get that wrong again, second time on the same podcast, but there will be a, there will be a, 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 sorry. (laughs) Can we edit that? (laughs) Can we edit that? There will be a tailwind, uh, yeah, tailwind um, from from reopening the economy. And with the currency quite so weak, Mm. um, they could see a big boost in in tourism. And so I think they're better placed and I think rates staying at zero, Mm yield curve control in place uh, for some time to come. 
And that leads nicely on to US dollar strength. So yes, can I just touch on China? Because I think China oh, yeah, is yeah. China, China, China is also interesting um, because China is at a different stage of the cycle mm. compared to, to everyone else. Everyone else uh, has sent has inflation well above target. Well, not, not Japan, but well above target and raising interest rates to neutral or, or, or pretty tight in the US and UK's case. Uh, Japan's, uh, China's economy is soft. Uh, because of lockdowns. Of course, the lockdowns are ongoing. Who knows what will happen uh, uh, as we move into next year on the lockdowns and whether policy will, will change or not. Um, but China's China, Chinese economy is soft. Monetary policy is being loosened. And I think policy in general will be loosened in China well into next year. Uh, and unless, there are, unless the lockdowns continue, then China maybe performs a bit better. And then just to finish off around the central banks, um, central banks in Canada, central banks in Australia, uh, and other countries are really following the same sort of playbook uh, as the US taking rates uh, into uh, tight territory uh, to slow the economy and to uh, raise unemployment and bring uh, ultimately inflation back to target. Um, yeah, I do want to touch on the US dollar because I think that is impacting a lot of it's impacting markets, it's impacting different economies, particularly on the EM side. So the US dollar, just for, for listeners, it's it's at a 20-year high against a basket of currencies at that September. Now that strength, I think, is quite hard to justify given the growth in, in the US. So is it close to peaking or do you think the policy interventions will continue to to strengthen the dollar well you say you say quite hard to justify i mean it's hard to justify on a valuation basis so on a valuation measure you know, on valuation measures, the US dollar is, you know, is not quite an all-time high, um, but is but is pretty expensive uh, against most currencies. I mean, just thinking about the yen, it's spectacularly expensive mm. uh, relative to the yen. But the US in the current environment does have a lot going for it. So it does, uh, it, it, it's an energy producer. Uh, and so whereas yeah. the most of Europe is obviously a huge loser uh, when it comes to uh, 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 gas prices, the US is a winner um, mm. because it is energy independent and has the capacity to export, um, you know, more energy over, over time. Um, also, of course, it's been raising its interest rates. Um, but I think going forward on a sort of certainly on a five year view, I think the dollar uh, is likely to fall. Um, but in the near term, you know, it is a place of safety at the moment. Um, um, you know, I, as I say, if you, lots of Mercer clients are, you know, long-term investors. And if you're a long-term investor, then maybe the time is to is, is right to reduce dollar holdings, um, particularly if you if you if you if you have a lot of them. Um, but I think, uh, uh, but but over the next little while, you know, who 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 knows? But I think what happens to the dollar is really important. If the mm, dollar was yeah. to was to weaken, then I think we could see emerging markets rip. Uh, who are you know emerging markets generally uh, are quite cheap, but are also have been vulnerable and have suffered uh, from the from the strength in the dollar over recent times. Yeah, and and I think people do see a strong U.S. dollar almost as a recessionary flag. Um, yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I think maybe the only people who like a strong dollar are those visitors from the U.S. who are going to or are going going to Japan. So you know, I think. My own hope would be that it does weaken, weaken slightly, particularly on on the EM side. 
No, no, my, my children want to go to want to go to go to America. No, um, but um, I've, I've said, how about Japan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much cheaper. Re- reminiscing about our, our earlier career, you know, I remember twenty years ago when um, I visited the states, things were like half price relative to the euro. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I certainly wouldn't be going with uh, with one to one parity. Um, Right. I'm not sure how much time we have left, but do you want to touch on yields, credit, equity outlook from here so, for the rest of the year? Yeah. So, so you know, much depends on, on you know, energy prices in, in, in Europe, uh, also what central bankers do. Now, our base case, as I say, is that is that a sort of major recession, very hard landing is avoided in the U.S., uh, and elsewhere. Um, but we're not completely confident about that, and the risks are on the downside relative to that. If that turns out to be correct, uh, then it's a generally positive outlook for, 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 for risk assets. Having said all that, for equities, they're not exactly cheap. Um, we are weaker on the year, um, but we're still obviously a long way above where we were a couple of years ago, four years ago. Um, and therefore, overall, it leaves us with a neutral uh, outlook uh, on, on, on equities. Um, credit, uh, we spoke about earlier, if a deep recession is avoided, um, then uh, defaults should stay pretty low and therefore credit would do reasonably well. We've been getting a bit more optimistic on, on credit in recent times, um, not yet ready quite to give the, the complete all clear, but certainly getting a bit more optimistic. Uh, in terms of duration, uh, we've been bearish on bonds for some time, um, but in more recent times, with yields ticking higher, uh, moving somewhat more, 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 more neutral, there mm. is a yield. You've actually get a yield on government bonds yeah. for the first time. Wasn't that long ago when there wasn't, you know, of course, if you were liability matching, there was a point in holding bonds. Um, but if you're pure return seeking, there wasn't uh, much point in holding bonds. There is now a point. You do get yeah. a yield. You know, you get a yield from high quality investment grade. Um, this is the first time we've had that in quite a long time. And therefore, we're turning, you know, notably less bearish. And for some investor types, you know, building up holds in high, high quality investment grade and so on uh, might make might make a bit of, bit of sense. But I would say in summary, the, 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 the outlook for economies and markets um, you know, it's pretty uncertain. You know me, Ema. I'm, I'm not someone who always uses the word uncertainty. Uh, lots of others always say the outlook's uncertain. And I often reply, well, it always is, isn't it? But I do think at the moment, you know, with central bankers uh, moving higher, uncertainty is, is abnormally large. And there is a diff- big difference, as, as you mentioned earlier, uh, between a deep downturn and a moderate one. Mm, yeah. Um, and, you know, time will tell on that. Yeah, and I think it's probably worth pointing out that the traditional 60-40 portfolio, equities, bonds, has really struggled recently. Um, and I think we we even caught up last year, was last November, on our market outlook for this year. And I think our main point was, okay, you need to diversify because equities are going to struggle in this environment, bonds are going to struggle. And I think that continues to be one of our key pieces of advice. It, it's not necessarily has to be high complexity, but it means diversify, whether that's into more private markets or more alternative assets that give you inflation protection. But I think diversification continues to be key. Um, I think we're probably nearly at time, Rupert. Any any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, no. Good to catch up with you again. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of food for thought there. 
I think we nearly should have a debrief session on um, what, what we get right, what we get wrong, <laughs> what central banks get right, what they get wrong. Quite an interesting one to do. Um, but thank you very much for joining me today, Rupert. Thank you to our listeners. I, I enjoyed that session. Um, hope you did too. If you have any questions, please reach out to your Mercer representative or email us on ctci at mercer.com. But otherwise, as I said, thanks for listening and hope to speak soon.